Steve Grand is a singer-songwriter from Illinois who made a huge splash in 2013 with his self-released video, All American Boy. And recently, after everybody was waiting and very excited, he released the All American Boy full album in March of 2015. And we are very excited, Outspoken, to welcome Steve Grand to the program. Steve, you're on the air. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking time. I know that you, especially right now, are probably a very busy man out promoting your new album. Yeah, I've been I've been all over the place, and I'm still doing a lot of traveling. Actually, right now, I'm trying to simultaneously pack because I'm going to the airport. I'm going to be in San Diego, and then uh, San Diego practicing with my band for the rest of the week. So, we, oh, man. We've heard time, rumor of that. It's been really good. Everyone <laughs> seems to be responding to the album well, especially my fans, which... It's uh-huh. really what matters to me, so I couldn't be happier. Yeah, so now you're a busy, busy boy. And that was released March 24th, correct? Uh, it came out a day early. Uh, a day the, early? With the, with the distribution thing. So yeah, March 23rd. Awesome. Nice. And um, if I'm uh, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't it hit the charts like right away? Like you were on Billboard's independent album release uh, right up at the top of their charts, weren't you? Yeah, uh, their independent albums chart, I was number three for the week, the number wow. three best-selling independent album, and it was actually number 27 overall for overall worldwide sales. Um, so I was ecstatic with those numbers to have as an independent artist well, in a day and age where people really aren't buying music like they used to. It's, right. it's just so incredible to... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see that kind of success happen with your first effort. So right, and I'm, yeah, the I'm game is happy. the game is actually is definitely changed. And I, you know, you bring up something that I want to rewind us back to, I believe it was 2013, when you released All-American Boy, that video uh, that you, you self-produced and you uh, used that credit card to the max and got this amazing video out. Did you know it was going to hit so hard? I think it was within eight days you went to a million views. You were on, uh, you were being interviewed all over the place. Did you know it was going to be out of nowhere, just this big phenomenon? You've done your homework. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, well, um, I've been listening to you since I thought then. It would do, sorry. Go ahead. I thought it would do, I thought it was going to make a splash. I did have that in mind. Uh, I just didn't think it was going to be the thing that single-handedly it started mm-hmm. my career. And from them, as you may know, I did another music video, which yeah. has you know over a million and a half views. And then I did a Kickstarter campaign a couple months later, which funded my record. And it became one of the most successful music Kickstarters of all time. Actually, no one that is, is, uh, has a music successful more successful than me. Um, right. Yeah, you they were are. all on major labels at one point, and I'm yeah, the only yeah. truly independent artist up there. So it's, it's amazing. It's just been... It's so cool to have that kind of support from people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you think that uh, being an independent artist and not having a major label, that has uh, pushed you forward? Or do you think that uh, that may have held you back in some aspects of uh, the music game? Uh, in, in aspects of what? Uh, in like the music business, you know, the field. I think that there's definitely pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I definitely got to be... The, the person that really decided all the creative decisions at the end of the day, sure, which yeah. could be exhausting. And you don't necessarily always want the artist making all the creative decisions because we tend to make everything about just getting it exactly how we want it to be. And mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't take into account budget as much as I should have. So I like went 
way over budget for the project yeah. and too creative, um, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that. Like I, I just continue to do. So you don't have someone reining you in. Like you always hear right. mm-hmm. artists and bands that are on labels complaining about their labels, and there's kind of like <laughs> a a reason for that. But I have no one to blame in my case. So if something doesn't go well, it's really my fault. And uh, so it's really a matter of me learning and uh, you know having to know better, as well as the fact that record labels could kind of plug you into their grid. They're, it, it's almost impossible to get on the radio without a major label behind you in some way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I like having creative control. Like I really hate people telling me what to do or what I should sound like or what should be in my music videos. And I don't think any record label would like see someone like me as necessarily as, as profitable and as marketable, maybe today now in 2015, finally. But um, I think before, I don't know if anyone would have gone for it. And you know, myself (laughs) speaking of, you know, marketable and how labels look and, you know, this, we, we call them the suits, you know, the suits always have, they have the little boxes they want to check. One of the things that was interesting about when your song came out, because it was so Americana, because the video was even very Americana and you, you were labeled as this, the first out male gay country singer and you have uh said in some interviews that that's not really something you've ever said about yourself but so yeah it it definitely is that it's not something i've ever embraced i mean i sometimes people kind of say it over in an interview and like they'll start talking about something else so i won't be able to address it but um yeah i never said i was the first anything or the right gay country like that wasn't why it did this and there certainly are people that have been out in the industry like Shelley Wright and there's this guy Drake Jensen yeah um, who I wasn't really familiar with before but um, I think sometimes people get too caught like the only reason that it bothered me if people thought it sounded country like that's fine there right. definitely are a lot of country elements to the song but yeah mm-hmm. and the video of course um, all the visuals really lended itself to that you know what we think of as, as country music right um, but it just it bothered me because I felt like it was for a lot of people just becoming a sensational headline, and right. I didn't get into this, to, you know, to become a sensational headline. I wanted right. to be an artist, and exactly. um, I wanted to connect with people through my music, and I've been able to do that in a big way. But it's such a, a juicy headline, and it was just right. hard for a lot of people to resist, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of people latched onto it, and a lot of good came from that because I made a lot of fans. But exactly, um, right. well, yeah, of course, I'm still dealing with. People being like, why is he saying he's the first openly gay country singer? I'm like, I never said that. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I, I think also that in the country scene, there weren't a lot of prominent gay figures uh, at the, you, you know, at the time and until Ty Herndon and, uh, you know, people started coming out, there really wasn't a lot of splash in the gay country scene. So do you, do you think you're going to uh, head any particular way with your genres? Or are you just going to go whatever you feel, kind of do crossovers and, you know, do you? Well, I have, I, you know, I just released my record, so uh-huh, yeah, I'm doing that right now. I'm right. like, I'm in album right. promotion playing mode. Right. I just want to play my record for everyone. And there's a, a good mixture of some stuff that like All American Boy, it sounds kind of Americana country. And then there's stuff that sounds like straight up dance pop, some stuff mm-hmm, that's like mm-hmm. more hard-hitting rock. So it's kind of all over the... It you know, that, really is. That, I listened, general area. I listened I, to every song last night. It really is album, everywhere. I don't, I don't know, actually. Um, the song always comes first for me, and yeah, I guess yeah. 
maybe I'll try to zero in on my genre a little more next time. I don't yeah. know. I haven't really thought about it. Well, I have to tell you, I listened to your album, and you're right. It goes everywhere, but they're all really, you really polished them all. They're, it's a lot of fun to listen to, but there's some that I feel are inspired by the big power ballads of the 80s and some that are, I mean, it's just some that are very much, I guess I wouldn't call it country as much as I call it Americana, like you said. Um, like the, you always, we got to ask you about whiskey because I feel like you, you, you might like your whiskey. Because <laughs> there's a lot of, there's you, a lot of whiskey. You mentioned whiskey a few times. Like seven songs or something. And yeah. they're fun. <laughs> and that's what's fun. You know, is it, oh, I'm trying to, and I apologize, I don't have your album up here. Is it Whiskey Dream? What is it? Whiskey Crime. Whiskey Crime, Crime. which is such a fun song, and you could sell the heck out of that to country audiences. And then you turn around, and there's these other songs that are more pop and mainstream that way. So I really feel like you you did nail it all. And lots of good songs to dance at the club to as well. Good. Yeah, I wanted it to be it. A, a good mix you know i'm the i'm the all-american boy so i should appeal to a, a wide range of audience right <laughs> and so you talked earlier about being uh getting all this funding you know when you did your uh all-american boy you you self-funded that then you did this highly successful kickstarter project and i believe your goal in the beginning was just in the eighty thousand range and then of course you end up with over three hundred thousand dollars. So, did that change? Like, did you use it all and just change the quality of how you were going to go about that album, or how do you decide? I have this in my head for eighty thousand, and now I have like way more than that in the bank. So, what do you choose to I, do with that? When I came up with that number, it was really mostly because I wanted a number that I thought was achievable. Because mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Kickstarter, obviously, you have to make your goal, or else you don't get nothing. Yeah. And so, at the time, I was like, I really should just set the bar low, and if I need more money to keep doing things you know i'll just have to find other ways like i've always done like there's where there's a will there's a way Mm -hmm. um and so when it started i mean it surpassed that goal in 17 hours and then it went on to surpass a hundred thousand dollars in the first 24 hours so it was like you know just zooming by and and really i like looking back now i mean i wouldn't I went even over what I ended up raising to make the album. <laughs> I can say that now because, you know, I was always worried about making everyone worried and I said right. that, but now that the album's out and it's done well, I right. feel like it's sad. Mm-hmm. But, like, I still have bills to pay from the album, so I really, like, put a lot, a lot into this. I spared no expense, and it really all went to the album. I actually moved back in with my parents uh, during the Kickstarter process just because I wanted to make sure that I knew that all this was going towards making a great record like I said it was. So I didn't really have any living expenses. It was all just for making this record. And yeah, I mean, there's things that I like know better now that I right. probably could avoid doing in the future mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as far as spending goes. And right. I do need someone that is keeping me on budget, which I didn't have. That's <laughs> another problem with being your own record label. Yeah, right? right. You want to spend you know, all of it. I just was it. like, oh, well, we'll use more of this money for this. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, ugh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now that you so, this album is going places, does, does that mean you're you're putting your team together now? Well, I've, I've had some kind of team assembled since mm-hmm. before the Kickstarter, but it's changed. Like, there's no one on board now. Uh, there's not one of the same person except for me. Yeah. as when the Kickstarter started. <laughs> so oh, wow. I, I like, I've cycled through uh, a number of people by now. And 
um, it's just like it's hard finding the right fit. And oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm very. I take what I do, you know, seriously, mm-hmm. and I have a, a specific vision in mind, and it's mm-hmm. it's very specific. And you know, not everyone could necessarily get up to speed quick enough, or right, could like right. really understand it in a way that I think is will help will be an asset to me. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's absolutely understandable. Um, you got to have people who are on the same page. So. Uh, you have since become uh, an LGBT activist, a huge activist performing at Pride events. Uh, you've been working with Human Rights Com- uh, Campaign, GLSEN, uh, just a lot of things. Talk to us about your activism and, you know, getting into it and first, um, you know, starting starting to be that bigger name in the community. Well, I think that really the best way most of us in the LGBT community to be an activist really on some level is just to be who we are, mm-hmm. our authentic mm-hmm. selves. I, I really think that there's a great power in showing the world that we're a very diverse people. And just because we're gay, it doesn't mean that we, you know, ascribe to any specific value system or right. belief system or political system or anything like that. We're all very, very different. And we're seeing that more and more now. And I think it's kind of, it's causing a lot of people in the community to get all upset, like we're losing culture. But it's kind of the other side of the coin of having true equality. Like we know that we're getting to our, you know, our end goal of having full equality. And of course, it's, you know, we'll never truly be there. I mean, there's always going to be some discrimination in the world on some level. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a matter of, continuing to, to push in that direction. And I think the best thing all of us could do really is just to, to be who we are and, and mm-hmm. let our authentic life shine through. So I think there's something inherently activist about all of us. And especially as, as an artist, I think that in culture, we generally take our cues first, I feel like, from our artists. It seems to be traditionally the path that like the artists are the outspoken ones and then politics and then the country kind of catches up later. So... I feel like with All American Boy, I feel like that was as much as I was just trying to make something that reflected something that I've experienced, that unrequited love for someone I couldn't have. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it, it opened people's eyes, too. So that's the, that's how I want to continue to play a role. I really just want to be yeah, yeah. an artist, and I always just want to, at the end of the day, know that everything that I'm doing is coming from an honest, genuine place in myself. And I think that that has the power to change the world. And I think that's amazing. I will tell you, when I was doing research uh, for this interview, one of the things that struck me the most is not only, you know, when I first uh, ran across you, you know, what, two years ago, uh, it was through your music and your voice. And it was through this amazing video that I know so many of us wanted to see ourselves in media and we got to see. But one of the other things that was fascinating was your heart for activism. You talk a lot about kids and how people say, you know, it's no big deal to come out anymore. And you say, but what it is for those kids, those kids who are still struggling, those kids, you know, and I find that to be fascinating. Is that because you had a realization that you were gay at so young and the struggle you had growing up? Or what is it that connects you to that to that passion saying this is still important for everyone to understand and especially those kids. 
It's definitely that. It's definitely my own experience because I did come out mm-hmm. at a young age. I didn't mm-hmm. know I was gay. I didn't, I didn't embrace it till I was probably 18 or 19 years old. But I knew when I was 13. Then I know the, the pain of that, um, of not having people in your life that understand. And it was a very tough, you know, five or six years for me. Right. Um, and I also, I have kids write to me all the time, like through email and, you know, even like letters in the mail and, you know, comments and all that. I try to keep up with people on social media. And I know that I have a lot of young fans and I know it does mean the world to a lot of them. And a lot of them are in places in the country or even around the world where it's not as accepting as the way that we as adults always see the world now that we could choose who who we surround ourselves with and where we live and what communities we participate in. As a kid, you really are a product of your environment and you don't choose where you're growing up. You don't choose what school that you go to. You're really kind of at the mercy of your parents in a lot of ways. So um, it's really both of those things, hearing from the kids that are still struggling with this and knowing what I went through. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's still so important to be outspoken. And I I do see a a lot of, you know, I'm I'm very sensitive to all the, even like the the stupid things that people say that you shouldn't pay attention to. Like in comment sections, you always Mm -hmm. see people Mm -hmm. like, if someone comes out when people are like, who cares? Like, why is this still a big deal? And it's like, well, it is still a big deal for, for the reasons that I just said. Right, a lot yeah, of kids yeah. still in, in their world, their worlds are very different than your worlds. And I feel like in the age of social media, we really are, we live in a bubble more bubble world more than ever before because more people are getting their news exclusively from their social media. So oh, right. mm-hmm. Facebook tailors your news feed to whatever you like. And so, I mean, after a while, if you're a gay person and you like gay content, it's all going to be just like mm-hmm. shirtless dudes and articles about being gay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so right. you would think right, that the world right. is this big, open, embracing place, but uh, the world is actually a very diverse place with all different value systems still in place Mm -hmm. right absolutely well and with your experience uh it it was a tough you know coming out but also your your parents were uh catholic and so you went to uh therapy and you you make sure to not say conversion therapy because it really it really wasn't in your experience uh so what what was that uh you know therapeutical i guess experience i mean it, it had to be somehow harmful as well Right. Well, my parents pretty much just, like a lot of parents, they didn't know what to do. And so they did what seemed like the right thing to do, which was to send me to a Christian therapist. Right. And so, obviously, my sexuality there wasn't affirmed, and that was harmful in its own ways. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. But no, it got, like, you know, based on something I said, and then people needing to sensationalize everything— People sort of being like, oh, he was in conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, no, that's not really, you know, accurate. And they wanted me to, like, speak out against it, and which I do, but I can't speak out against it as someone who's been through it because I don't think I could. I don't think my experience rises to um, the level of harmfulness that people that actually go through conversion ther- therapy um, goes to. Yeah. Right. And so, but in the end, this is what's fascinating to me. So you are still, you know, a young man, really. You're still in your 20s, correct? Or did I get that wrong? Yeah, I just okay. turned 25. Yeah, uh, we won't talk about my age. But, so you're still this 
relatively young man. So these experiences weren't that far in your past. You seem like such a a well put together, almost self actualized gay man. What can you say to the kids who are struggling now? who say, I want to at least get to that confidence level in owning who I am. What, what was it that got you there? Um, just like, being out in the world, I think that's a big part of it. it did, it's something that comes with age and experience. And I think it's something that I felt anxious a lot about, too, as a young person. Like, would I, would I ever feel okay with myself? I, there's still things in, in me that mm. I'm that I still struggle to accept. And I just have to look back on my recent history and, and realize that, wow, I'm, I'm so much farther along than I was even two years ago. There were things about me that I was afraid of or um, that I, I was scared to let out, but I feel more of myself than ever before. And I think that's something that, that comes with experience. It comes with finding your people. It comes from having a lot of difficult times and, just realizing that life is too short and, uh, you know, a lot of it's too, too hard to really care about um, a lot of the petty things. It, it's, it's, it's too hard to care about what everyone says, what strangers say, what maybe a, a kid at school says or something like you really have yeah, to make yourself yeah. happy in this life. And the people that you choose to, out, to, to surround yourself with have to be people of value that, that you respect and trust uh, because it just comes down to, you know, life, you know, it, it beats you up after a while. So yeah. there's just no room for all the things that I used to um, feel anxious about or, or kind of dread. Right. And I'm sure your songwriting and your music has helped you to deal. You talk a lot about like time, the video that was released for time. You talk about how that's one of your most personal, um, songs what would you say is your favorite song on your album um i mean that is i mean my most personal probably like one of my favorites too Mm -hmm. i usually like the songs that like aren't necessarily the most commercial which is like that one Uh um and especially with that song people are always like well tell us about what that song's about i've been asked that a lot and i right. feel like i never do a good job answering it and i think that's kind of a testament to the quality of the songwriting mm-hmm. that i was able to write a song about something that's kind of hard to articulate in words outside of the the soundscape so um that's why i i look at it as a successful songwriter because i feel like i was able to take a like a snapshot of these of these couple moments and mm-hmm. uh you know with words I was able to take the snapshot and then say something deeper uh, uh you know with those few snapshots but uh as far as like favorite song I don't know there's whenever I like, I go out on the list I'm like I want to say almost every song I mean Save Love Me is a very special song for me that's yeah. mm-hmm. the opening track I wrote that's the oldest one I wrote that when I was 19 oh wow um that's also a story of, of unrequited love. It was yeah, it's heartbreaking, the first I will tell you. <laughs> attempt at me writing a song like that. Because like that was a song I always wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I felt like I did it successfully. Like I really, because I grew up just having that ache in my heart. I was always aching for somebody, mm-hmm. like a friend um, that, I, that I couldn't have. It was just out of reach. And so I really wanted to be able to capture that because 
it was so painful and it was so intense as a young person. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to, you know, start my 20s without really capturing that. So I feel like Say You Love Me was me finally being able to do that. And quite successfully as well. I think that perfectly captured exactly what you're the talking about. The heartbreak is what it yeah. captured. I remember listening to it thinking, <laughs> oh, that ripped my heart. Yeah, and it's right it there. The, the, the emotions. <laughs> so now, Steve, we are going to let you go pack up. You have a flight uh, coming up in about mm, another hour or so. <laughs> I don't know when your flight is. But before we let you go, uh, we are going to ask you to do a, a little thing uh, where you say, hi, this is Steve Grand. Thank you for listening to Outspoken. Is that okay. possible? Pa- awesome. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Want me to do it now? Yeah, yep. you go for it. Hey, this is Steve Grand. Thank you for listening to Outspoken. You are awesome. Sir, we <laughs> wish you all the best with your album because it's really a really good album. Um, and I Thank know you so you're going to get busy, busy, busy. Yes, yeah. It's, it's, I, you know, I, I hope to get even even more busy so oh you will for everybody now that it's out and mm-hmm. continue mm-hmm. to write and do all that kind of exactly. stuff exactly don't forget us little guys here on the radio <laughs> never <laughs> thank you steve have a safe flight we're going to be playing your music all through the show today so thank you so much i really appreciate that mm-hmm. you have a great day all right take bye. care guys bye <laughs>